Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for our families. Thank you for your grace and saving us and embracing us. And I pray, Lord, that we would go towards those who still don't know and haven't heard and haven't seen what you wanted from the beginning with men to have a relationship with him. What you desired when you created him for him not to second guess and to walk away with uncertainty and doubt and anxiety, but that he would have the assurance of knowing he's loved and accepted and that you're sending Jesus on the cross to die. There's the, all questions have been settled at that point. We know that loving a son and offering him up to heal us and to forgive us and to reconnect us with you, Lord, that you would overlook our sins and our rebellion and our disobedience because now it's the blood of your beloved son that has been paid as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin. Now we have no doubt that you want serious, intense, and deliberate communion and fellowship and friendship with the Most High God. Not only as a religious duty, but through your spirit we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy, one who comes to our rescue, one who provides every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. So we pray tonight, Lord, that we would respond and not be apathetic and not be pathetic in excusing all the things that we say that lead us to disconnect again and to grow distant. We pray that we would know you and that we would love you because you first loved us, that it would be a response, a natural response of gratefulness because of your embrace and your smile upon our life, Lord, your forgiveness. You have come to seek and save that which was lost, Lord, so that we might be able to partner with you, that no one should perish. That's your heart, Lord. You desire that no one perish, but that all turn and come home like the prodigal son. And you're waiting for us with an embrace and a celebration and provision, Lord. So give us that understanding tonight and let us grow in that knowledge, O oh God the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. A lot of people stand, and, and I, I, I really think that, that it's a good thing. A lot of people stand like Moses in uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. And that's how I stood when I first came to the Lord. In this particular account, If you start just, just the whole chapter 3, um, verse 1, Moses was keeping a flock of his father-in-law, and he led the flock to the back of the wilderness and came to the Mount of Oreb, the mountain of God. So it's a good thing to stumble on God in our lifetime. We weren't looking for him, but he was looking for us. Um, and so there it is that a flame occurs in verse 2. The angel of the Lord appeared in a flame a fire out of the midst of a bush. And a lot of people say, well, I've never seen that. Well, look in this direction and you're going to see a guy who's on fire. You're going to see something coming out of someone that is not natural. It's supernatural. But the bush was not consumed. 
And Moses said, I'll turn aside now and see this great sight. He was curious, so that's why he came through. And that's why I showed up at church the first time at the age of 16. I was curious to what these people were saying and why the bush is not being burnt. It doesn't, this, this fire doesn't go out. It's been 32 years for me, and I'm still on fire for God. My friends would say, don't worry, when you stop being an adolescent, the fire will go out. When you get married, when you finish studying, oh God, when you have your first kid, when you buy your first house, when you get your first job, when you graduate from law school, the fire will go out. The fire does not go out, people. The fire does not go out. And I thank God for my friends who have come to the fire. I thank God for that. The bush does not burn. Verse 4, and when he saw that Moses turned aside to see, God called him out of the midst of the bush. And some of you are feeling a, a, a strong tug in your heart to come to God. And said, Moses, Moses, and he says, here am I. He responded. So this, this all is unfamiliar territory doesn't even know what, what it could be that, that is transpiring. And this is how God introduces himself. He says, you're drawing near to holy ground. So take the shoes off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Uh, and I understood that when I came to church. I knew that everything I had learned outside of the church was not going to help me for inside here. God is not into street smart people. In fact, those are the dumbest of the dumb. And you're looking at them right here. Everything I did was against God. And I didn't even know it. Just super rebellious. And so he says, you're not going to walk a familiar walk. Take the shoes off. You're not going to be comfortable in your street clothes in my presence. And this is the introduction I want to give tonight. Because... This is what God would want somebody to come for the first time to know in verse 6, where he says, I am the God of thy father. The first manifestation of God to our hearts is of God who brings instruction and correction and discipline. And that's why a lot of people don't want to come to the family of God because they're prodigals, they're orphans, they're rebellious. Um, they say it all the time in our conferences. A lot of the men come up, and, and even in Silicon Valley last month, this one man came up, and he talked to me about how much he hated his father at the table when we were giving them our books. But after our session, he, big tall man, uh, they're all fighting words. If you're speaking to a man in something that challenges his manhood, he thinks it's a fight. It's not a fight. It's just it's a challenge. So prior to me sharing, during the time we were at the table, he got a little bit offended. But when, and he talked to me about, you know, you, you remind me of my dad, and I hate my dad, and I'm about to beat you up. And he was getting aggressive. But after our session, he came back to our table. He goes, I wish you were my dad. A black fellow. Super tall, super strong. I said, I wish I was your dad too. And so that is the issue. And it's always the issue. And God comes to Moses and gives him his calling card. Uh, I am the God of your father. 
there can't be any other description to what God is but the embodiment of a father. And, and then we'll see that throughout the whole Bible. We see him bringing that terminology. Um, we're not going to go there, but Isaiah 9, 6, he says that unto us a child is born, a son is given, and he'll be known as an eternal father. I used to think that father ran out at the age of 18. Because when we moved to the United States, the American people would tell their sons at 18, you better go find out what you're going to do because I'm kicking you out of the house. That was very Anglo. It's very traditional American. But the truth of the matter is that when we see the true father, he's a father forever. There's no term. It doesn't expire. There's no limits. And that's a good thing. And so this expression of fatherhood is the embodiment of who the attributes and the character of our God in heaven is. He is not what I used to think a big, angry old man that has a long beard and is going to hit me over the head with a stick when I get in his presence. Rather, he's a father who will go to any extreme to restore a relationship with his children. And so that's what he's doing here to a man who has no clue. You know, only thing similar to this is a man who never met his father, who his father shows up to him one day and says, hey, I'm your dad. And he's like, okay, this is too much for me to handle right now. But that's what God is doing there to Moses. And his introduction is, I am the God of your father. And then he particularly or specifically gives a honing, honing address to the God of Abraham, to the God of Isaac, and to the God of Jacob. These are three specific manifestations that allow for us to understand him a little bit more. And as we are getting to know him through the life of Abraham... And we said that because Abraham was a man who brought pleasure to the heart of God and followed after God with all deliberate intention, this is nobody was stopping Abraham from finding and serving God. The descriptions we have of his passion is that he was pursuing. It's there in Acts, no, Hebrews 11. He, he, he was pursuing God with such tenacity Look at his footsteps in Hebrews eleven eight. It's through the substance of faith that Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. Now, you and I, and I've talked to hundreds of thousands of people that unquestionably tell me, I know I have a calling on my life. Have you ever met people like that? Listen, the fact that they're called is, is pretty good, but it means nothing if they don't answer the call. How many agree? Well, it's good of having an invitation and you don't show up. In fact, um, I've been a little bit moved to zeal in my life. And I'll invite somebody to do something special. And they'll tell me, I'm not going to come. And you know what I tell them? Well, guess what? I'm not inviting you no more. And you take offense. Is they're inviting you and, and they don't come. If God called you, is because there's an expectation of what? For you to come. 
And as I've met, I've met hundreds of people who have told me, man, since I was a little boy, since I was a little girl in school, this happened to me. When I was in high school, this happened to me. In my neighborhood, this happened to me. In my backyard, I know God has called me. And they'll tell you specific stories about the calling of God on their life. But the, ap- the opposite, um, the, the, the not obeying when you're called is an issue. Because it doesn't matter how great you're calling it. If it's not answered, it comes to not. There's nothing. And so many are called, few are chosen, the Bible says. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place. So I've, I've also seen people who want to, they, they've received the invitation, but they don't move in the direction of that invitation. But he went, he moved. Uh, we, we, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the chapter where he's well into his calling and his wife dies, Sarah dies. And so you might think, okay, he called me and now my wife is dead and this thing hasn't happened yet. And so I call it quits, throw in the towel and go home. Did Abraham do that? No way. He doubled down. He says, listen to me, now it's going to get better than ever because this now turns into the land of resurrection. That's what he was thinking. I'm going to see this through. Even though my son is on the altar, even though my wife dies, God is a God who keeps his promises. How many think that that's faith? That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about people who are like, oh, it was raining, so I didn't go to church no more. I had to pay two tolls before I got to church. I'm not going to do that. Really? It's pathetic. There's Mormons and Buddhists that do a lot greater stuff. That's good. I'm going to do a poster that says that Muslims are looking for an iman, but women and children are looking for a man. I'm going to do that. Nobody take that from me. People want a man. A man to be a champion. A man to be fearless. A man to be faithful. A man to be obedient. A man to answer God's call without any compromise. He says, well, one time I had a pastor and he stole money from the church. So that's what, okay, so I had a pastor also who was a liar, another one that was a thief, another one was a womanizer, another one left the faith. I'm not, I'm not going to determine my calling on what another man does. When he was called, he obeyed and went to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went in that direction, say with me, not knowing where he was going. That means it's day by day by day. And when we aren't in it at that level, we're like the little kids in the car. Are we there yet? 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 Shut up! I'll tell you when we're there yet. Abraham wasn't asking, are we there yet? And better yet, he wasn't even saying, give me a roadmap so I know where we're going. Show me the end of this thing so I could decide at the beginning whether I'll take the journey. And some people do that all the time. People tell me, Pastor, since you know so much and God uses so much, why don't you tell me what his plan is for my life? I go, look, I'm not that sophisticated to know what his plan is for your life, but I know what it's not. 
And missing Monday night is not part of his plan. And missing faithfulness to serve him is not part of his plan. And being a wimp is not part of his plan. I don't know a lot of things, but I know what it's not. And so this man is the, this is the substance of the, of what we're after. We're, the, the, we're not talking about Abraham because it's a historical scenario. This is a man who actually did it. He found a good report. He got a thumbs up at the end of his life. That's what I want. I want a well done. They sent us an, uh, they sent us, and yesterday I was watching one of the pastors here in town, he was preaching, and he says, my son got Hollywood's approval to what he's doing at church. He got the mainstream media's applause. They told him that what he was doing was cool and was right, and they would accept it. I'm like, I didn't know that, that they stood as the American Idol desk of judging the excellence of God and his servants. And if we want their approval, then we cannot please God. Those who please men will not be able to please God. And so here it is that Abraham is pursuing this with all he got, with everything that's within him. And the Bible says that this faith took him to stand out as a weirdo. Verse 9. This faith made him a total alien. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. The connotations in, he felt like he was an extra terrestrial. He's, he's here, but he's not breathing the same air. He doesn't have the same priorities. He's not pursuing the same joys and pleasures. We're talking about at the men's meeting, Paul, Pastor Palma said that the men upon the earth, they pursue personal strength for their own glory while they seek pleasure. And men of God are being strong in the Lord, seeking the Lord's pleasure, living for his glory. I want to hang out with men like that. You become a stranger in this land. You're not pursuing the promises of this dwelling place. The Bible says he dwelt as a Martian in this universe, dwelling in tents. Listen to me. While everybody else is hunkering down, buying land and houses, this man traveled light because he wanted to be available to move with God, willing to forsake anything at any last moment. These are the Navy SEALs, my friend. These are the people that they don't have a Wait a second. Well, uh, I have to check my calendar. Poland? Yes and amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Move. Like the Bible says, a man who is born of the Spirit moves with the, like the wind. You can't see it, but you move in the direction of the, the indwelling Spirit. So he dwelt in tents with his sons Isaac and Jacob, and they were heirs with him of the same promise. Um, I want to suggest, and we've talked of this plenty, your sons are never going to go where you refuse to go. 
Do what I do, live like I live, and his his grandchildren are on fire for God because of the passion of a grandfather who's saying, I'm not just gonna let it be thoughts, I'm not gonna let it be feelings. I'm gonna live in such a way that they will have a legacy of having seen their grandfather serving God in the house of God with the people of God, being a refreshing in a day where people want to outperform, but they have no substance in their personal life so here it is he's leaving substance for his children's children and I hope you don't think your children or grandchildren are going to do what you don't do you got to wake up out of that fantasy because it's not going to be a reality verse 10 and the reason was is because he was looking for a life that was put together a dwelling place a city whose foundations were the principles of God's word who would build and make this city. Um, 32 years ago, nothing of what we're living now today was, was even envisioned because we were just like Moses, totally lost. But, but today, God has put together a place and he's built a solid foundation that our kids are walking on. Uh, talking to Pastor Jose Medieros from Mexico today, he says, you know why your kids have so much joy and so much peace? is because they have the assurance of walking on a solid foundation. They're unmoved. We talk to other people, they're anxious, they're scared, they're fearful, they're frightful. We have Julian and David going around who are five and three, and you can't stop their joy. Gio, you can't stop their joy. There's such an assurance. We got the babies in the belly, in Natasha's belly. There's a baby jumping right now for the joy of the hope of the reality of Christ in her father's life. That's, that's real. And people won't talk about these things. But people like Abraham, they do. And God is saying, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of this man who moved in this direction. And so, let's go back to Exodus chapter 3. How many are loving God right now? His goodness, His mercy. Amen. Give Him praise. And so here it is in Exodus chapter 3, when God introduces Himself, the embodiment in verse 6, I am the God of your Father. And then he says, I've been at this for a while in the life of Abraham. I became his God. And this description of Abraham is an attribute and an address of who God is in essence. And the description of this man is that he's the embodiment of a man who became a faithful father, and he's known in the entire world as the father of faith. 
The Muslims say that he's their father. The Jewish say that he's their father. The Christians say that he's our father. So he becomes the father of faith. And in that acknowledgement, people were able to see that the guy was serious about his relationship with God. And he moved in such a manner that God even characterized who he was in our existence as the God of Abraham. And I, I want to suggest just for a second here that what God is saying is that I am he who raises up man to be excellent fathers because that's what Abraham is and so you can say it right there I am the God of excellent fathers in a world where there is a total lapse and the human uh, humor and comedy has made a fortune mocking fathers we got the Bart Simpsons if, if the world was, didn't have an appetite for that description of a dysfunctional father, nobody would watch The Simpsons because it's a continual mocking. It's making fun. It, it, it reaches heavy and severe levels of dishonor. You couldn't watch that. If you, if you said, if this guy mocks a dad, I'll turn it off. You wouldn't watch one episode. And like that, just this, this onslaught of everything that we have in our generation that has really brought this huge godly character to a caricature. And so the last expression of this was uh, uh, the family guy who the dog is smarter than the dad. The dog goes around with the, the wisdom and with the rationale and with the seriousness and, and depicting everything and put it in its place. Well, that's not, that's not what a dad is. A father is the one that walks in the attributes of God the Father. And if we follow our faith, he will make us um, the expression of father in our generation. We see Genesis chapter 45, verse 8. Joseph, who pursued God for a long time and was able to inherit the purpose of God for his life, and this, is, this does not fall us short. We're not going to fall short of this reality in our own life. So now it was not you who sent me here, but this is God. In his design of my life, everything I've done, everything I've done, everything, everywhere I've gone, everything I have accomplished, it was to make me, of, he has made me a father to Pharaoh. I want to suggest that, that we can talk all we want about men not showing up to correspond to their call. We could, we could, we could talk... Some of us are even tired of talking about that because it's so ridiculous. But, but the scenario is this, that the frailty of these men is an iceberg tip of the profound depth of their not coming to God's purpose in their life. And so the, the, this would be similar to um, not being able to show up at a men's conference at a marriage conference, uh, at a youth group where we're leading youth. Um, 
In other words, if you're not faithful in the small things, you'll never get to the greater things. And you need, you need faithfulness. It's the cornerstone of character is faithfulness. And you need it to be a minister of the gospel. If, you, if you're not faithful, God cannot use you, period. You, you, you could know the whole Bible. You could be the greatest theologian. You could, you could do miracles, signs, and wonder. If you have no character, it's an unprofitable uh, servant. It's a, a, a vessel of dishonor. Because fatherhood manifests God. Why are people so hurt about dads that, that did horrendous things to them and left them hanging and out in the cold and never took anything serious and didn't participate as God would have it? Why? Because it corresponds to who God is. A father is an expression of God to his family. Now, one of my friends says that his dad got him a bicycle for Christmas. And then down the road, a couple months later, his father sold his bicycle and didn't tell him. He says, I don't know, somebody must have stole it. And so he found out a couple weeks later, a friend of his who was riding around the neighborhood and he says, well, you took my bike. He says, no, your dad sold it to my dad. And my dad gave it to me. So what does that do in the heart of a child? Those are just overwhelming uh, daughters who get raped and molested by their dad. And so all these things are an expression that affects. And God is, is walking contrary wise. Now it came to pass that it wasn't you who sent me here, but God. And God has made me a father to Pharaoh. And he's made me a responsible. And when he says Lord over all his house, this guy had full authority to act on behalf of the highest authority in the land. And the opposite of this is no influence. No corresponding behavior that people respect. And so our life becomes a mockery. And so he says, and because I am Lord over all his house, I am a prince. I, I am the measure of what and how things get done in Egypt. And so we thank God that, that this transformation is taking place in our lives. You can say amen right there. Amen. God, is, God is bringing us to this place where the essence of the attributes of the Father, the God of Abraham, are being downloaded, not in theory, but in experience. A job description that, that models God to this world, first and foremost, to your family. Joshua 24, 15. I don't know where people are not doing this stuff. I don't know where they don't want God or they don't know God or they're curious about knowing God or they're devoted, they're divided in their devotion. But if there's one place that the kingdom of God has the expression of allegiance to God the Father is in my house. And Joshua stands up and says, if it seems that this is evil to you, 
if you think that somehow it encroaches upon not being favorable to you, that's your decision. You make a decision and choose for yourselves this day whom you'll decide to bow down to, whether to the God of your fathers. How many, how many would like to relive the travesty and the nightmare of parents who never knew God or served God? I don't, listen to me. The majority of us, and the man at the shoe store tonight was telling me I would not want to take my 10 children through what my dad took me through. So the, the, the truth of the matter is God is saying, listen to me. You want to make your family's experience like yours was? A super, a super unappropriate or, or not. I've had to fight to not leave in my children's heart any bitterness or toxins of attitudes I might feel or have. I don't want to sit there and just vent to whatever expression to mark them so then life goes on and they always look back and say, my dad, whatever, whatever the situation is. In other words, I want what God wants for them. I want them to have peace. I want them to have joy. I want them to be plentiful. I want them to know that there's a God in heaven who bestows great fruitfulness. You don't know, tomorrow the boogeyman might come and there's nothing left for us. Listen to me. I want my kids to know about Father God and the abundance of his embrace and love and forgiveness and reassurance. That's, that's a lot better. That's a lot better. And so these men were driven by fears. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I, I've made it a little bit of a hobby of mine to go to the indigenous tribal um, you know, gatherings of, of men that were so scared and fearful out of their wit that they would do masks and they would put these horrendous, horrible masks because they wanted to scare the evil spirits that were coming into their house. So they was like, okay, so nobody, if somebody comes into my house now, I'm going to scare the heck out of him. So the tribal, and you see this with these indigenous masks. They, they're like five heads, three tongues, two eyeballs, and, and you put them on and you're supposed to scare them. This only shows the fear that was in the heart of the men of that tribe. They're going around with a horrendous fear. Um, in our house, it wasn't mass, but my dad had a gun here. He had a gun here. He had a gun here. I'm like, who's coming after you, dad? I don't know, but when he comes, he's going to get it. <laughs> Listen to me. I haven't owned a bullet, a gun, because the angels that guard my house are much too powerful. Amen. Much too powerful. And I'd rather them do the fighting because I'll run out of bullets. But see, that's the assurance of not serving the God which your father served on the other side of the river before we came to the Lord. And so there it is. And, and, and let me tell you something that in modern times, men have become sophisticated. They might drive a nice car, but they continue with the same primitive fears as from before. And so they'll, they'll deform their existence to be scaring people on the street. What you looking at? All that is a bunch of fear in their hearts. 
And the truth is, since Jesus came and resided here, what is it? What's up with me? Jesus is up. He loves you, and I love you. Mwah. And that's a different spirit. As before, like, I'm going around. I was picking fights from the 8 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. Full of fear, insecurity, anxiety, complexes. But that was on the other side of the river with the gods that my fathers chose to serve. Or the god of the Amorites. Sometimes we, we, we say, hey, did your parents do that? No, my parents never did that. But some guy came by who was an Amorite, and I started doing everything he did. I found a buddy, and man, we did everything my grandfather and father never did. The god of the Amorites. You choose other god in whose land you dwell. We live in the land of a lot of twisted behavior. And, and listen to me. Here's the first thing that God told me when I came to be a Christian. If you honor the Father, you'll always be blessed. And everything will go well with you. There's so much rebellion in my heart that I could not even appreciate the commandment of the Lord. Because I was set on rebelling against the Father. Set on I didn't have a concept of what honor was. But that's the first thing God spoke to me as he introduced himself to me. I got blessings for you. I got promises. I got an inheritance for you. But your attitude needs to change. And I said, what if I don't? And he says, well, then instead of going well, it'll go bad. Instead of a long life, you'll have a short life. I said, you convince me. I'm convinced. I'm on. So I purpose from that moment on. To honor in whose land you dwell. But Joshua says, and he's already put it out there, and God is putting it out there for you tonight. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God of Abraham. We're going to serve the Lord. Let's stand tonight. And, and this, is, this is truly just an introduction to what God is speaking to us. Um, appetite for his righteousness his goodness, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, I, I'm, I'm done with what this world is feeding upon and what they have an appetite for. I want to continue, and we said this year we were going to dig deeper into our faith. That's what he's looking for. Um, the Bible verse that we started out the year looking at that that launched us in this direction was um, Jesus says when I return will I find faith upon the earth he says we started out with that Bible verse. As some men are, are seeking gold and silver and they're Luke 18.8. Other men are finding good stock options and investments. Other men are looking for political parties and leaders. 
he says, I tell you the truth that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And since that's what he's looking for, that is what we want to give him. I'm not, I would love to have a gigantic following and multitude as a church worshiping him and seeking the Lord, but I'd rather know that we're cultivating in the hearts of those that are here, not some thrill and entertainment, but the Bible says that your faith being more precious than gold is being tested so that all the impurities are out. First Peter 1 Peter 1.7. Let's go to verse 6 real quick. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you might be grieved by many trials. There's many difficulties and various things going on in your life. But all these things serve, verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith, which is much more precious than gold. Gold is only going to be here in our lifetime on earth. Though it, your faith is being tested by fire, that it ultimately might be found to the praise, honor, and glory when Christ reveals himself, when Christ comes. So that's, that's what we want. And it doesn't matter if it's as small as a mustard seed. Uh, let it grow. Cultivate it. Be in a good ground, be in a good place, and let your faith be strong so that, so that those that imitate and follow and, and seek out, we're, we're doing with Abraham what I pray one day your life will be to your children and to your family. We're looking at Abraham and seeing how God relates with him, but you are the father of your lineage both physical and spiritual. Father, thank you for this night that you've given us. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you allow us to open up your word. It's holy. And it brings us life and nourishing to our spirit. Father, we don't want to despise it. We want to welcome it into our hearts so that we not sin against you and go astray. We pray, Lord, that we come to the fullness of the fruit of the seed you've sown and you've watered in these past months and weeks. We give you thanks for those who have come and that are new and are here for the first time and you're so awesome. You're the great choreographer. You know time, season, and place and you do all things beautiful in your time. So I pray, Lord, that your word not return void, that we press in further, that we repent, that we change our ways, that we become more deliberate and intentional so that we're not ashamed and we be blameless, rightly dividing truth, your word of truth, like faithful servants and good stewards, oh God. We pray for the families here, because in them, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And tonight we've discussed the God of Abraham, a faithful, exemplary father. But you're also the God of Isaac, a faithful, exemplary son. And the God of Jacob, someone who is twisted and you're able to make right. 
a son who goes astray and you're able to preserve his inheritance and you identify with him as the God of Jacob. We want to follow you. We want to serve you. We want to worship you. We want to be faithful, proclaiming your name upon the earth. We pray that this not return void and that it be fruitful message and a fruitful time in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God say amen.